Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the La Rouge Rugby Podcast, focusing on Canadian rugby. I'm Hugh Hardy, joined as always by Derek Brissett. Derek, we've just had the Rugby Sevens World Cup. What did you make of it? Um, yeah, no, I thought uh, I thought it was good. It was definitely, uh, you know, the uh, the tournament. Uh, I think last week we were talking about, um, you know, maybe we had some issues with the format. Um, maybe we can revisit that a little bit later. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, the uh, the issues and stuff with the format kind of came. I think any our concerns, I feel like, kind of came true in watching mm-hmm. the tournament. Um Especially, but uh, yeah, I mean, I pretty much had it on. I mean, I worked on Friday, so I didn't really watch a whole lot on Friday. Uh, did got caught up on the Canada games, um, versus uh, you know, Zimbabwe and France, and then the women's game against China. I think that was also Friday. Um, so got caught up on those. Um, but uh, kind of mostly watched it all day Saturday and then. Uh, watch the can Sunday. Sunday, I watched the Canada games and then the uh, like the knock the final, um, the uh, the semifinals and the finals for uh, both the men's and the women's. Overall, it seemed yeah, like you know, it was a really fun tournament, some nice surprises. I thought Ireland mm-hmm. obviously kind of going through, um, the way they did to all the way to third that was really nice because that's like a super new program, all things considered, yeah. right? They're only like what six, seven years old, I think. Yeah, um, you know. Australia on the women's side, um, just I guess probably doing something they'll never be able to do again when in a, a World Cup, the Commonwealth Games and the Seven Series in the same year. Because I mean, mm-hmm. what are the odds that those overlap again? Mm-hmm. Um, actually, I don't know. Are, is, are, is that good odds of overlapping again as the Commonwealth well, Games are the same? Well, not not so much overlapping because I think not, Commonwealth oh. Games and the World Cup happen in the same year. But the chances, oh, okay. So the mind, success, a- the odds of success of winning all three is low. Uh, yes, yeah, no. The, uh, I, I think uh, that's what you meant. So. Yeah, I mean, I guess you have to make sure you're good on the seven series every four years. You have to plan that mm-hmm. one out too. But yeah, I can't see. See, you know what? My, my, I think what my issue is right now, especially we got the Women's World Cup coming up soon. Right? Yes, and um, they're calling it the Rugby World Cup 2021, and it's so confusing. Yeah, whatever, no, because it's like just call it 2022. That's the year it's yeah. happening, and it's fine. The Olympics did that too because it was still like what Tokyo 2020, even yeah. though they, did, they played that in like 2022. One 2021. Oh yeah, and then the uh, the Winter Olympics were in Korea, and that was. Yes still off a year or something right no that no that was no, no that happened in the right year. That was, no, yeah that yeah this the Olympics, year. yeah that was earlier this year see it's time it's, is a flat circle exactly oh i feel like all of the events that were like supposed to come out um like they're supposed to happen in like 2020 or 2021 that have all been pushed back um i i can't it's it's confusing me with the stuff that's supposed to actually happen in 2022 and it's yeah. all just kind of blending together. So the Commonwealth Games and the World Cup of Sevens normally happens in the same year. Yes, that's okay. So n- never mind, Australia. Just go <laughs> do it again in four years. It'll be that's not a big deal. I was thinking, hey, once in a lifetime chance to do that. Because mm. um, I mean, there there was some weird weird uh, once in a lifetime things with uh, the sports world because of COVID and stuff. Like the Montreal yeah. Canadiens are the te- won the uh, the Western Conference Championship trophy. Yeah, in the NHL, that's they've never they don't play in the Western. It's wild, but they somehow won that because of the new format, right? So it's yeah. um, 
so like there were there were some weird things that happened. I was thinking this would be another one, but I guess um I guess I'm wrong. I need to pay more attention to things, I guess, too. Yeah, let's uh change our clocks. Let's not go back a few years, let's just go back to yeah. the weekend just gone. This is a review of um Canada's results from the games. So uh on the men's side, we start off with a preliminary round that was against Zimbabwe, which Canada won 31-7. And then on the same day came the round of 16. And this was a really narrow game, but it was a loss eliminating Canada from the cup competition as they lost 12-19 to France. Uh, they were then placed in the challenge quarterfinals. They were up against Uruguay. And again, this was a narrow loss with Uruguay coming out. And the result exactly the same, 12-19. Then on the second game of the second day was a uh, for the positions for 13th to 16th, and that was against Wales, which Canada won uh, 33 to 19, with their final game on the Sunday being for 13th place against Chile, which they also won 12-10. And that confirmed that Canada's final place would be 13th in the competition out of 24 teams. As for the women, there were... Uh, fewer teams so they go straight into the round of 16 and that was open with a win against china 24 to 5 then they were in the cup quarterfinals against the usa and again it's these narrow losses as uh canada fell 7 10 so on the final day it was the canada women were in the fifth to eighth um qualification games and they got a win over england 22 7 which put them in the fifth place final up against Fiji. And uh, this wasn't a narrow loss, to put it nicely. This was an absolute demolishing. The final score, Fiji 53, Canada nil, And they finished sixth in a competition of 16 teams. It's also worth mentioning that uh, the Toronto Arrows' very own Brock Webster um, along with Steve Anosai from Samoa, were the joint highest points scorers in the men's tournament as well. So, Derek, it is 13th for the men out of 24, 6th for the women out of 16. And, you know, since the Olympics last year, we've seen a lot of senior players, veterans of the game, legends of the game, if you will, um, step aside and time for the uh, youngers, the young guns to come in, step up to the plate. And, you know, they've had opportunities. They've had the World Series, obviously. They've had the Commonwealth Games and now the World Cup. Now, obviously, unlike, say, coming off 2016, where they would have had two years to prepare for this, this obviously because of reorganization of the Olympics has just been uh, just over a year. So what are your impressions from Canada's final positionings in this tournament? Yeah, I mean, it's um I think like we said, I think I think part of it is there there's a bit of a strangeness to this format, right? So looking at, you know, the opponents that Canada had, Zimbabwe, France, Uruguay, Wales, Chile, at least on the men's side. I'll get maybe we'll uh, touch on the women later. Um but I think like kind of looking at that um, it's, you know, ultimately at the, at the end of the day, like if you look at their record, um, it's, uh, they finished three and two, right? So they were, you yeah. know, they're above 500 at the tournament. Um, you know, they realistically, you look at the slate of opponents that they had, 
right? Zimbabwe, team that they should beat, beat them endedly, might I add. Mm -hmm. Zimbabwe, also sick jerseys. Yeah. Their kits are unreal. The numbers you can see from the space station, it's outstanding. (laughs) I love it. Um, They have some great kit there. Um, Zimbabwe, big fans of them during this tournament. Anyway, so Zimbabwe, team that they should beat, beat them. Um, Wales, a team that they should beat. Um, Wales, sevens, not exactly up to the 15s team standard. Um, So um, although they also have nice jerseys too, the green dragon kind of pattern on them, it's a little bit better. Um, But Wales and then Chile, Chile, another team they should beat. That game was a little bit more narrow, but it's like uh, you obviously you kind of have that match with Uruguay and Uruguay is maybe a little bit of an upset. Um, But then Uruguay goes on to uh, beat the United States who had a dreadful tournament i guess on yeah. the front side um given their expectations um samoa lit them up in the round of 16 mm-hmm. um but i think you kind of look at those games and it's like can't they won the game they won games that they should have won there they won games against teams they should have won or they should have beat um that game against france um was close yeah. like that, you know what i mean like you put um there was that um very like unusual sevens tactic attempt um at the end of the first half to do a driving mall off the line out um and they kind of they nearly nearly pushed that over um you know if they get that like that maybe is a difference in the game and unfortunately didn't work out um but also in that game you can see them like really taking advantage of like the some of the french mistakes in that game mm-hmm. uh the biggest one probably being uh, Brock Webster's try um, mm. when, you know, there was the restart, France had the restart and then, you know, the kick went like nowhere near 10. So France all kind of stopped playing, I think, assuming that it would just be a penalty or whatever. Um, and then Lockie Kratz decided I'm going to catch this ball and uh, break through the line. And then Webster obviously finished it with some great speed. Um, so it's like, you know, it's a good heads up play, right? To uh, not just wait for that whistle and uh, take advantage of, you know, a French team that's, you know, maybe wasn't necessarily prepared for that or expecting the just to have a penalty called. Um, but they made some really good plays like that uh, during that game. And the game against France was close. And it's just uh, like... Um, you know, like I said, um, the format to this tournament, in my opinion, kind of weird, right? So they lose to France, which basically eliminates them from the tournament, yeah. um, right? So they end up playing games of all the other teams that lost. So you avoid, um, you basically you avoid a lot of the big dogs, um, in this World Cup, right? Yeah. So, um, which I guess is just the way it is. But as we have talked about before, uh, with them the 15s team or really any team it's like you play the guys that you can only play who's in front of you yeah right and um i think based on who was in front of them they did well um webster looks like he's gonna be a superstar um i don't know if he wants to be a superstar in sevens or if he wants to be a superstar in 15s um or if he wants to try to be a superstar in both but regardless of what regardless of what his decisions are going to be to where he wants to uh, focus his time and energy um, that, that he was just unreal all the whole tournament unreal. As you said, he was uh, one of the highest point scorers in the tournament. Um, it's not just like the, the scoring tries, his speed is outstanding, um, but he's also using that defensively and stuff too. He made some great tackles, um, you know, too. Um, Josiah Mora, too, I thought played really well throughout the, the tournament. He had a really nice play in that France game, too, um, early 
when uh you know he came over to help Berna kind of Berna already had the guy kind of wrapped up and Mora came over to force a knock on to keep the game zero zero. Canada went all Canada went back the other way and scored. Like there's like I said, there's some really good moments from that France game. Um I think Mora played well like throughout the entire tournament too. Um Berna's looking like he's developing to be a guy that can be, you know, on the team like, you know, constant stalwart. I like I still like Thiel. Um, you know, and it's uh, it's obviously some a lot of experience for a lot of the young younger guys too, kind of getting into a like a really big stage like the World Cup. Um, so I think, like I mean, I think ultimately, like there was a lot of good things that came from the men's team. Um, I think finishing thirteenth seems about par for the course on where they are. I think they were like thirteenth or fourteenth on the world's on the uh, the seven series standings at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, hey, like, I mean, three and two, it's a weird format. They have a better record than South Africa at this tournament. So, yeah, um, they have a better record than South Africa and um, Australia. Australia finished fourth, two and two. Canada won three games. So, I mean, it's it's a goofy format, but yeah, I keep saying that. I'm sorry. But um, like, I mean, I liked it. Um, you have any thoughts on the uh, the men's tournament and then we could sh- shift gear to the uh, the women side? Yeah. So just as a quick check, um, Canada were actually 14th in the World Series. So. Yeah, so 13. That's like their range, I think, right now. Like, yeah, I'm not surprised I think, by that. I think it has been a case of things have been against the team. Obviously, the point I mentioned before about it's not been two years to prepare since the Olympics. It's only been uh, just about one. You have the Commonwealth Games as well, which, you know, not as big as... The World Cup, but you know, still have some significance. You are playing the majority of the uh, sevens teams in the world, so may as well continue with that. But and I think it is also as well is that unlike the women's um, game against uh, Fiji, which was a blowout. I think it is. It's like the hope that kills you, and I guess that happens in for like any sevens. Uh, team or competition but uh, you know so I think 13th is fine but again I will say as soon as they lost to France my interest just shot down I wasn't okay because of the format of the tournament or yeah the format yeah I I mean we also have to mention like logistically it's very hard to follow some of these games when they start at three in the morning and it's a bit, and I know again that's just the logistics. You're in a different time zone. They have to start as early in the day as possible, yeah. and that just means that you know you're just gonna miss some things, which I, I understand. It's just you know first world problems more than anything. <laughs> I'll say this in response to your first world problems, as you, you have highlighted here. Yeah. Um, absolutely love the way CBC covered this. Yeah. Um, it's, that was great. it's brilliant. Um. You know, one, obviously, you know, cbcsports.ca having, you know, just the live, the live stream up all day um, is great. But the fact that they also go through um, and take the time to cut the Canada games individually, mm-hmm. and they're all just like, whatever, 20, 20 to 30 minutes, I guess. Yeah. Um, the women's game, the game against the U.S., the women's game against the USA was a little bit longer because they played for like three or four minutes after a half ended. Um but 
like so that one was a little bit longer but it's like all the like the games are just there they're kind of in chunks so if like like you said like if sure like maybe you're not going to uh wake up at three o'clock in the morning to watch some of these games but when you do roll out of bed on you know at eight nine or you know 2 p.m whenever depending on how you decide to do your saturdays um you you have the option it's like you can rewatch the entire tournament if you so choose or you can like CBC already pulls out all the Canada games and stuff. So if you just want to go back, um, which is basically what I did, I went I, any Canada game that I missed because it was, you know, super early in the morning or I was at work, um, which was the case on Friday. I just went to CBC and was like, all right, I've got to get caught up on the Canada games. And they just have the Canada games readily available. Um, so I did love that. I do. I do kind of agree with uh, your, your, I guess your assessment that it's like, and, it is kind of what we were concerned about when we were last talking about this, where it's like, if your team loses or whatever, like what does that do for like your interest and stuff? Cause you're not really playing for anything other than just like, you got to make, you're not really playing for anything other than you just got to make, I I guess, make a day out of it. Right. Cause it'd be tough to sell tickets to a half an hour long game, um, you know, on the third day, just for the final or something. Um, so you need something to make more of an event out of it, which I'm, which is realistically what the other games all are for. Um, but I like, I think, you know what I mean? I wonder too, mm-hmm. if that helps certain, pl- like certain players or something where it's like, okay, cool. Like go out and try stuff without, yeah. you know, any like real, any without like kind of worrying or whatever, um, you know, go out, have some fun. Um, they are as much as, we've complained about the format um you know uh, right it's like they are great development games like opportunities to do that opportunities to play more um which is a good thing um for the players and the coaching staffs themselves like from that point of view i do kind of like i get playing the games um but yeah they all they all kind of lose a little bit of their luster there was a great um zimbabwe uh south korea game that the teams just traded tries back and forth the whole game. It ended up, uh, I think South Korea ended up winning by two, right? Cause Zimbabwe missed a conversion um, after they scored like a late try. Um, but it was like, that's a really good game. So it's like the games on the losing side of the bracket were excellent. Like they were entertaining. Um, but yeah, a little bit of a lack of luster. Cause it felt like there was, you were, yeah, I guess a little bit of, they lacked a little bit of really any, I guess, yeah. sense of occasion or anything because you are yeah. kind of waiting for like, you know, the Australia Fiji games or the, you know, Ireland New Zealand in the quarterfinal or in the semifinals or something like that. Um, which, but I don't know. The, I don't know. Um, I'm not. The, the, my whole thing though is like I'm not sure what you do t- to the format for the sevens world cup i know i'm complaining about it i'm saying i don't really like it but i'm also like i'm trying to think of what to do for it too um mainly because like you kind of said like if you got to day three right and it's like there was only six of the 28 games that were played on day three so three on the men's side three on the women's side right Mm -hmm. were um critical for actually determining the champion there was two semifinals on each side and then the final yeah. Um, right out of the 28 games that were played but at the same time it's like you can't you probably can't just be like yeah we're gonna play these games it's like it'd be tough to sell like 
it's like selling like tickets like it's an all-day festival makes yeah. a lot more sense than being like New Zealand Fiji the final for the World Cup of Sevens and sell tickets to one game like that doesn't make yeah. sense either right yeah. so you need other games or you need something to fill time to make people yeah. like tickets are worthwhile so but like like I said early I I think like the normal 7 series format where you have a bit of a pool stage yeah um and then you have you know what i mean you have a bit of a pool stage and then you kind of have your knockouts and like your offshoots like the challenge and the bowl and stuff um i think it's still a better format than because it is it is kind of weird just like you said it's like canada played four games in this tournament after they were eliminated um right which are three games or whatever right and yeah you know there's teams that did really well as far as a win-loss record that i don't know like i don't know like you feel like if you're like england do you feel good about being four and one or like three and one despite the fact that you're england and are probably pissed that you lost to ireland in the first round or in the yeah. round of 16 right um so i don't know um women's side though Stu, any thoughts on the uh, the women's side uh yeah so i think i think the women have been in a similar position as the men they obviously have um had significant uh figures in the sevens team resigned since the end of the olympics and now they've only had about a year to get a um sevens team to compete at well to compete at the world uh cup essentially um i think the loss to fiji is a blight but is the exception i mean fiji um, I'm just trying to go back through the game because they um, conceded against Japan. They conceded against France, um, which was their only loss of the tournament. And then they went two games without conceding a single point. So I think Fijiana were uh, spectacular and to lose to them um, in such a way, whilst disappointing on paper, um, just shows like how far Fijiana have come over the past few years. Um, you know, a victory over England um, to play in the fifth place playoff. I thought that was um, fantastic. A great comeback, especially after falling so short against the United States. Um, and obviously the dominant win against uh, China, you know, to set things off on the right um, track. So, yeah, I'm not disappointed i mean obviously i would have preferred them to be in the uh cup final or the semi-finals but you know this is sport this is just how it comes about so i and obviously finishing sixth out of 16 teams i think was you know again it's the area i expect them to be in so yeah canada finished seventh in um the latest round of the world series so, you know, finishing sixth there, seventh in the World Series, you know, it all works out, I'd say. And, you know, I've got no qualms against it. I think that, you know, they're on the right track at the moment. Um, and, you know, it's one of these things that's just going to take time. Obviously, they now have to, um, both teams, I should say, um, now have to turn their focus to Olympic qualification 
which yeah. if I am correct, and I'm probably not, um, is that that just means that they have to finish within the top four in the World Series, or they'll have to go in as a um, regional qualifier. And to be honest, after the um, RAN qualifiers they had earlier this year, that doesn't look to ever be something that will be in jeopardy for Canada or the USA in North America. I, so I, I, doubt, I doubt Canada's finishing top four at the seven series next year. So we'll yeah. qualifier so yeah. the, the likely route. Well, that's the thing. You never know who's going to retire between now and then and who's going to step up and so on and so forth. So, yeah, we'll just have to... Uh, wait this one out i believe and we'll just have to uh see how that all unfolds um but yeah i i i agree with you i think that the sevens format does need to change i'm not entirely sure what it means but i mean if you're a fan and you have tickets to yeah any of the uh stages of the world series you are watching um for the men's competition in total 45 games per round and then in the world cup you're watching 52 so that's only seven more games for the men's tournament alone for the women's it's even worse because you're going from watching say you went to the canada women's sevens last year and you're looking forward to going again uh a bc place uh next year and you're expecting uh, for the 12 teams, 34 games across the weekend. But if you got tickets for the World Cup, you get 32. So that's two fewer games for a tournament that's supposed to be more important and has four more teams in it. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I, I'm looking at things like the Commonwealth Games, like um, the World Sevens. Uh, series and saying like, well, if these things are played what, what over, is the format for the Commonwealth Games, uh, it's very similar to uh, the World Seven series, I believe. So yeah, obviously um, there are fewer teams or different teams, I should say. Uh, but yeah, it's um, the men's competition is four pools of four teams, so that's sixteen. So yep, yeah, same as the World Series. And then you have the quarterfinals, you have the semifinals, and then you have the gold and bronze medal matches. You also have um, ranking places for fifth and for ninth, and um, even a match that goes away for 13th place as well. You don't have things like um, 15th place or ninth place, or uh, sorry, you do have a ninth place. You don't have it for like 11th place or seventh place. You just have um if you basically get knocked out of the uh quarterfinals you go for fifth and eighth and if you lose that game which is what canada did you don't get a seventh place playoff you just go straight to fifth place playoff which i think is makes sense because if these games don't count for anything after the medals then you do want to say oh where would i finish if it was just these four teams left for fifth to eighth who's gonna come out fifth and then those yeah. it's winner stays on that i'm fully yeah um, therefore i think yeah i i think that's what this tournament is kind of missing like you need a way 
whether it's like and like a pool stage, I think is probably the way to do it. But you need a way to keep teams like theoretically in contention longer or at, or at least not like eliminated from winning longer. Yeah. Right? Like, well, well, that, well I, I've had a quick theory think about this and let's say, okay, there's 24 teams in the men's world cup. And let's say you do it in a pool stage and it's four teams for pool. That's six. Um, yeah. That's six teams. Uh, sorry, that's six pools total, each with four teams in it. Yeah. And then you say, okay, we th- after this, instead of going to quarterfinals, we go to round of 16. So um, we'll keep it like that so we know where we're going from here. So top two teams from each pool automatically go through. That, it, that leaves 12, which means that uh, four of the third-place teams then have to basically ensure that they score more tries, prevent more tries as they come, Make get a better points difference. And because you can have it in a sense where uh, games can happen at the same time, I'd say for a World Cup, and for this, you would ideally need like dual broadcasting to go on. So I know, for example in the UK, and I'm just going to use the FIFA World Cup, because they do something similar, or they did something similar, to avoid any clashes, is they would have games held at the same time of like two pools, so neither side knew who they would be guaranteed to be facing when it came to the um, round of 16. So that... Go on, go on. So... So let's so um, let's just say there's uh, in one pool there's England versus Samoa, another pool there's South Africa versus Tonga, and they know that if one of them if one of them wins, they finish second and they'll automatically go through. But the loser knows that the other pool needs to have a certain number of points for them to win, and they need to have a certain number of points for them to go through. But because both games are happening at the same time, you can't be fed information at like half time to say that, oh, England are beating Samoa by like 10 points. So you need to make sure that you win by 11 points or something like that. It's very quick. And um, in doing so, you can. I may have just spun this too far and made I it think, like, far I think too confusing. I think, so, okay, so, I think you definitely okay. did. I was saying, right. I feel like. All right, let, let, let me let me go back and let me just say, okay, so um, <laughs> six pools, four teams. Uh, top two automatically go through the round of 16. The top, um, the four best third place finishers then go into the round of 16. And from that point onwards, you can continue with the format that is currently in place for the World Cup. So you just go round of 16, winner stays on from this point onwards. You can have like the ranking matches for um, See, 17th think, to 24th. That's fine. I feel like I feel like in your previous assessment, you were kind of like getting way off into like, we need two stadiums mm-hmm. or a stadium that has two fields. But yeah. The fields yeah can't see too... each other. Also, yeah. there can't be internet because like you can't. No, 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 you, no. Fans can, <laughs> but teams can't. It, the teams would. 
if, if, totally would. Okay, when, when the FIFA World Cup happens later this year, you'll understand what I mean. But until ah, yeah, then, but I don't like anything that soccer does, so I don't. I discount it immediately. Well, Canada's in the fee, the men's FIFA they World are. Cup, so they are. They are. You may, they are you may have to swallow that statement later. Any for well, the, just. For the, just because so Canada's in the FIFA World Cup doesn't automatically mean I like soccer. It automatically means I'll probably watch one or two. That, yeah, that, soccer yeah games that's that's what I mean. That's what I'm getting at. Um, so, but yeah, I think the initial stages of the World Cup need to follow other sevens competitions and keep it as a pool stage. Yeah, it's got to be a pool stage. And and you can do like assorted rankings because I know for the World Cup, what they do is they'll take the teams that have been in like the world series and see their series points over the previous two years. And then they can um, combine them to put them in the rankings. And then um, for the other teams, it's just regionally ranked for them. And then they can put, because that's what they did for the preliminary round. Um, but then you just have teams competing in like throughout the Friday of this tournament. And, you know, I think also having more teams makes it a bigger competition and makes it worthy of being the World Cup. But I'm also of the mindset that at that point, maybe make it like a week-long thing. So it's a case of you have some of the pool stages of the men's game on the Monday, then oh. you switch to women's on the Tuesday, then oh. you get final stages of the pool gate of the men's pool on wednesday and like the round of 16 then you have the women's um fifth to eighth yeah. or quarter finals or semi and yeah well yeah quarterfinals. I, I, I think that's i mean ultimately i feel like we've we've gone on um between two episodes now a little bit yeah on uh on the format but of how we would fix yeah uh, seven I, I think the biggest thing is it's like i feel like the rugby world cup sevens needs to feel bigger yeah than seven series tour stops right it's like it needs to feel bigger than than that and yeah. i'm not sure this ha- accomplishes that or like you know what I mean? I'm not. Yeah, well, that's the thing. We're not planners at World Rugby or the World Rugby Sevens. We're, this is just no, but suggestion. We are fans, right? So yeah. it's like watching it, um, watching the form. Like, um, I mean, I'm just going off of like going off of what you said. You said you kind of checked out once Canada lost, yeah, or whatever, right? Which isn't, which quite frankly isn't good, especially if you host a podcast on Canadian rugby. That's not yeah, I suppose so. Um, you should probably watch those games. Um, then we can talk about them on the podcast. Yeah. Um, I also kind of feel like um, just over the course of this podcast, we've spent a lot of time talking about this format, and we've kind of neglected the women's team a little bit. Yeah, um, we haven't really spent much time on them, but um, so I think like you you did kind of mention um that game against England uh was really good. Um, yeah. You know, obviously, you know, I think they were losing seven nothing pretty much the entire first half, um, and then uh, uh, Decouvre, um scored two tries on either side of halftime, and um, that really kind of opened the floodgates a little bit. Um, and Canada dominated the second half. I think England barely touched the ball in that second half. Yeah. Well, um, England. Yeah, England didn't score, which obviously didn't help. Yeah, them. but. 
not only did they not score, I think that they touched the ball like twice. Like it wasn't mm-hmm. um as far as like possession and stuff goes, Canada dominated that yeah. um area of the game. Um I thought like uh Kira Wardley, I thought had a really good tournament. So that's uh you know exciting to see some of the um the uh I guess the newer players post Olympics um kind of really starting to step up. Um Olivia Apps, um one of the uh I guess one of the players that's really stuck around through the Olympics and into that. She, she had a really good tournament too. Um, I thought uh, Chrissy Skirfield made a really nice tackle in that USA game uh, toward the end of the first half um, to really keep that game tight. That, of course, that tackle kind of kicked off an extra like four minutes of of playing um, in which no team was able to sc- score anything. But, you know, her tackle, her ability to kind of uh, chase, you know, chase down the uh, – um, I'm blanking on who that American player was. I'm sorry, but um, like the American player that kind of had a huge line break toward the end of the half, and she chased her down really well. Uh, Alona um, Ma? No, it wasn't her. No, it wasn't her. Um, at the end, it's it's before all that like post uh, okay. like buzzer. It's like the last. It's like the last real play, or, or not the last real play. It was like the last play before the clock actually says zero and starts counting back upwards. Um. Yeah. So, uh, so that was, uh, I thought that was really good too. Um, but yeah, like I thought even that game against the U- the USA, like it was a, it's a tight game. It could have gone either way. Unfortunately it didn't. Um, so, I mean, I think, uh, you know, it'll, it's, uh, it's good to see too. I think like, uh, Busa, and da- uh, I thought also looked really good. Um, and, uh, you know, maybe a, another player that's kind of like Brock Webster that maybe is going to have to kind of decide which way they want to lean um, as far as, you know, 15, seven goes, or I guess maybe yeah. back and forth is going to work. Um, right. And uh, so, I mean, ultimately overall, I thought, you know, it's uh, I, I, I think, I think, you know, the, the standards that have been kind of set by like the Canadian sevens teams um, put every, especially the women's team, um started off with a really high standard um and then i feel like events of the past few years have maybe dropped the expectations a lot um for the teams on both sides um so i mean i don't know like it, it is one of the things i think i could do kind of think about it's like pre 2020 olympics do you, would we be happy with the canada women's team finishing sixth at a world cup maybe not um similarly on the men's side would we be happy with that finish maybe not um but i think definitely over the past year i think it's been a lot more um acceptance of where canada is in the uh world standings on all the uh the rugby codes and stuff right now and i think given that given the uh the new you know the new kind of younger teams and stuff i think like overall like i mean yeah I'm, i was pretty happy with both the men's and the women's team in in the tournament and uh you know look forward to seeing everybody kind of keep developing and keep growing right because yeah uh, can only go up from here well, yeah rugby absolutely. canada's new slogan right can only go yeah. can only go up from here so yeah i think there's uh you know, some uh, lessons to be taken away from it, but, you know, both teams finished um, a place higher than they were in the World Series, so that yeah. is a positive. And, you know, as these teams develop, yes, I agree. I think that, especially for the men's um, side, mm-hmm. I think there's this um, prevailing idea that there now needs to be, for players of a certain age, you need to say, right, 
it's 15s or 7s. It can't be both. Like, and you to develop as the better or as the best like sevens team, I think you need to commit fully to sevens. And I, I understand that there's like financial implications um, by saying that, but when you look at um, other nations um, like South Africa, New Zealand, um, I'd say England, but they're merging into Great Britain again. So that, I think that's a bad example. But um, in the understanding of if you have players develop on the seven series, they become better sevens players. Whilst if you have them switch between 15s and sevens, they don't necessarily become the best versions of either. Yeah. If that makes sense. The games, the games are similar, but still very different. Yeah. Ultimately, that's where it. that goes. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, um, I guess we should also mention that there were other teams playing in uh, this competition as well, nope. because uh, there were the new world champions crowned for both um, men's and women's in 2022. Um, in the men's side, uh, the final was Fiji, New Zealand, and they are Olympic champions and now world champions as well. Fiji securing their title. Um, New Zealand, obviously, comes second place. And third, the surprise of the entire World Cup, Ireland, finishing bronze medal. Um, Squidge Rugby pointed out this is Ireland's first time ever they have made it past the quarterfinals in any form of rugby union. <laughs> or I should be more accurate, first time they've won a quarterfinal. Well, you can't get past game. the quarterfinal without winning. So, yeah, it's uh, uh, well, there was a case. It's basically that's hilarious to me, man. It's it's really it's really weird to like explain it, but in the sense of there was a previous sevens World Cup that didn't have quarterfinals just because of like the number of participants. Mm. So it was really uh, so at, because it was so small. Ireland made it to the semi-finals without actually playing a quarterfinal. It's really that's uh, that's going to be the only way Ireland gets past the quarterfinal in the uh, men's World Cup next year too. Is if they decide to only make the uh, the tournament four teams and then they're automatically there. Uh, uh, and in the women's team, it was Australia, as we mentioned, that came out on top. New uh, the Black Ferns or the Black Fern Sevens uh, getting the silver medal, and third was France. So I've got a question for you, uh, Derek. Um, because in the in the history of women's sevens, um, there's only been two winners: it's Australia or New Zealand. Uh, in the men's sevens, there have been only four nations that have won the um, rugby sevens men's World Cup or the Melrose Cup, as it's actually really known. <laughs> it does have a name, yes, yeah, yeah, the Melrose Cup. Do you know what those teams are? Well, first of all, I think we're good. We'll, we'll circle back. Is the Melrose Cup named after the Melrose Rugby Club? That is correct. We will, we will be talking about Melrose later. Hey, here we go. But don't, avo right. don't avoid the question. Can you name all four men's teams, or men's nations, I should say, that have won the Melrose Cup? Uh, Fiji? Correct. New Zealand? Also correct. Uh... I want to say South Africa. No. Ooh. Wow. Dang. Uh, Australia. No. No. They they have made it to the final, but neither have won 
the oh. uh, Melrose Cup. Okay. Apparently, I need to work on my sevens knowledge here. Um, so, I guess I would go Great Britain slash England, depending on what the team was called at any given uh, point in time. So, um, Great Britain has never competed in uh, the World Cup. Oh, so, right, but well, I will well, give you England. England, England? The, all right. The inaugural winners. And one more nation. Oh. Uh, France. No, it's Wales. Wales won the what? Melrose Cup in 2009, beating Argentina in the final 19 What happened to that team? Uh, they won. Uh, <laughs> they won and just like what stopped playing or like how to how, uh, how well well remember it's 2009 a lot of the guys that were competing have since retired well I, I would assume so but what happened to like the program they're like not uh, exactly a great team at the moment that is true but I think it was more a case of one of these things of like circumstance and again this was back uh, in so back in 2009 they did have a pool stage and it was uh, certain teams advanced to the cup final or the cup quarterfinal, some to the plate, some to the bowl. Um, Wales was one of those teams that advanced and beat New Zealand in the quarterfinals, 14-15, beat Samoa in the semifinals, 19-12, and then beat Argentina in the finals again, 19-12. Is this your way of getting back to me? Because I tweeted at you that I was going to remind you that Canada beat Wales again. Like, Yeah. No, it's all fine. It's all good. That was just water in the river. That was just a bit of test of um, rugby history. Uh, I think uh, I think you and the viewers all uh, appreciate. You know, I'm just picturing there is somebody listening to this that is absolutely screaming at mm. like if the, like in their car or wherever they're listening to this mm. that I did not get that immediately. So uh, actually, I apologize the, to that person. One of one of the um, players in the 2009 uh, Wales team was Reese Webb, who um, had unfortunately yet to appear for Wales in the 15s uh, Rugby World Cup. Mm. But uh, you know, you never know. 2023 just around the corner may uh, bust out uh, the cobwebs and be back on the team, providing there haven't been any. Well probably would be major injuries but that is something that we can discuss at another time mm -hmm. let's uh let's take it away from south africa let's bring it back to canada because the arrows have been very busy over the past week they have made a number of signings um one uh more domestic than the other two but uh here we go so the first signing is for a canadian and it is for Cole Davis, the winger who joins from Rugby ATL. He did play for the Austin Gilgronis back in 2021. He was on the team at the start of 22, um, never selected. And then he was traded to uh, Rugby ATL for the final few games of the season. And now he is back across the border, back playing for the Canadian outfit. So welcome to Toronto, Cole Davis. Um, from New Zealand, uh, we have Micah Torrance-Reed from the Manawatu Turbos. He was joining as a uh, uh, centre. That is completely incorrect. Um, he that is completely as... incorrect. He is a lock. Yes. A lock. Um, and a blindside yeah. flanker, according to his highlight reel. So he's a blindside flanker. A utility forward, it appears, then. But, uh, yeah, um, yeah, 
uh, can hope join uh, other flankers such as um, Mike Shepard as well. So, you know, great build. Because that's the thing. Um, the Arrows have been signing a lot of uh, backs and very uh, little news on the forwards. So good to see that another forward has been signed. And uh, from Australia, this was announced today on uh, September 13th, uh, Fabian Goodall, a wing and centre, so a versatile back, has been signed from Eastwood. Um, former rugby league player, played for Fiji, on the National Rugby League team, and then switched to Union in 2016. And according to the press release, he'll be moving over with his wife and young children. So they all get to experience the uh, coldness of a Toronto Canadian winter. So, <laughs> all for one and one for all. Uh, but yeah, welcome those guys. Looking forward to seeing them make the pitch in 2023. But that is not all that the Arrows have been up to. They have announced a professional development partnership with Scotland's Melrose Rugby Club. Told you we'd bring it back to Melrose at some point. So the partnership reveals um, features an exchange program between the two organisations and we'll see Arrows player and development opportunities in Scotland's Tenet National League Division 1. Conversely, Melrose players also stand to gain experience with the Arrows senior and academy teams. And this seems to have developed from the um, academy game in Burlington earlier this summer in which the... Um, Arrows Senior Academy played uh, Melrose Rugby, who were doing a tour at the time. Uh, according to Mark Winneker, it says, both sides quickly saw the potential that could come from working together and with the bulk of the Scottish National League One schedule leading right into the MLR preseason, this partnership has the capacity to play dividends both short-term and long-term. And, you know, maybe this is something that absolutely beneficial as um with the partnership with hong kong's rugby union and their men's premiership um you know play because the off season for mlr is so long you know going overseas playing in uh for melrose playing for um the hong kong men's premiership it's giving more and more players opportunity to develop their skills play in a different environment uh, learn under different coaches you know all this information all this development something um, they're drawing in they're learning new things that they can bring back and you know hopefully implement successfully into um their gameplay with the arrows in 2023 so i think the only thing we need now is just a confirmation that adrian wadden's coming back in uh 2023 as well then we definitely I mean, know that they're on loan you can't be on loan if you're not coming back if you're on no. loan that implies that one team owns your contract to yeah. loan you. that right. is true oh. but again they haven't actually announced that press well, that's true Although, um, although knowing our luck, um, this is being recorded on the Tuesday. You, uh, the Arrows do have uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday to announce that Adrian Wadden will be back for the uh, yeah. twenty twenty three um, season. Yeah. So, I mean, I think overall uh, partnership with Melrose, it's cool. Um, so yeah. I, I mean, I think my thoughts on it are basically the exact same thing about when we talked about Hong Kong last week. Um, nice to get some guys extra playing time, probably cool personal experience for the individual players themselves, being able to 
you know, go overseas and play rugby in a different part of the world, right? Like, yeah, it'll probably be, it'll probably be really fun for uh, um, O'Neill and R- Richardson to actually do that. Um, yeah, and uh, you know, hopefully, uh, hopefully, maybe uh, the arrows can benefit a little bit by getting some of the yeah. uh, the players back on exchange. So, I mean, it's fun. Yeah, it'll um, be also be interesting to see. Um, I guess this now means we have to keep our eye on like. Melrose's progression yeah. during uh, the National League Division well, One, because then we can spot think, which players that the Arrows could potentially get for um, yeah twenty twenty three season. To be honest, I think that's kind of maybe like a really underrated element of the partnership too. If um the clubs, all the clubs involved, kind of do it right, like I mean, last week Stu, like we were having a conversation talking about how you can watch the. Hong Kong Premiership, which yeah. I'm sure is something that prior to this we would never even think about watching or you know mm. seek out to watch, right? But now that you're like, oh hey, Adrian Wadden's playing a game for Sandy Bay. If that's available, I'll probably watch it or yeah. to do it, right? So it's a little bit of marketing for that. Hopefully, that kind of goes the other way too. Like the people from Hong Kong or fa- those that are fans of Melrose Rugby, um, you know might maybe see some of the players that have represented their club playing for the arrows and want to check out some arrows games or, mm-hmm. you know, get some arrows merch or uh, whatever. Right. So that's, mm-hmm. I think that's a benefit too. Um, the new signings. Uh, I think it was really disappointing to uh, see Cole Davis um, just kind of not in the lineup at all for Austin last year. Um, yeah. So I was really excited when I saw that he got traded to Atlanta and um, he played well for Atlanta in the uh, the second half or the toward the second half and the end of their season there, um, you know. And uh, you know, kind of one of those players. It's like obviously, you know, there's you know we know for sure like a few things like you know Gaston Mirez, um not coming back right. So um, there's definitely some holes in the uh, the back three that need to be filled. And I think Dave Davis seems like you'd be a guy that can fit that um, quite well. Um, Fabian Goodall. Um, you know, uh, I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I know a ton about Fabian Goodall and uh, Torrance Reed. Um, but, you know, um, America's Rugby News, when they had uh, had their write-up, had a highlight reel. And um, it's, it's seven minutes of him just running over people. It's delightful. Yeah. Um, I think it's one of those things that I like the signing because I think it's one of those things that it's like, so he's a league guy or, you know, um, played international level league for uh, Fiji. Yeah. Right. Um, played league for a while. Um, it said like, you know, he played, um, was part of like the Sea Eagles and uh, Parramatta Eels camp, I think. Yeah. At some point. Right. So, um, so that's obviously, that's obviously great. So he's a league guy and league guys that come to union tend to be super aggressive. Yeah. Um, and like really aggressive ball carriers, which I think, you know, might have been something the arrows were kind of missing a little bit last year, yeah. Um, right? Which I liked. It's like watching watching his the, his highlight video that was on America's Rugby News. It's like it's seven minutes. Um, I don't think there's a sidestep in it. Um, it is. I have the ball. It's like you can stand there. I will run over you. Um, if you happen to pull me down as well then so be it. But there's a good chance that I'm going to keep running after. Um, also, as part, I think sometimes too, as part of being a league guy, it's like they're really good at staying on their feet because that's super important in league because you don't want to give up those tackles. 
Yeah. Um, right. So it's like the league guys tend to be pretty good at that too. Right. Um, and then obviously, you know, he seems to have transitioned to union and is doing well. So um, I like that. Um, you know, like you said, it's probably need a little bit more information on like who's coming back or any more signings. Uh, maybe, you know, later in the year we can, do our our traditional like way too early to pick the arrow starting 15 kind of again um and uh, see where he slots in um but overall i mean from a seven minute video that i've watched of him it's like seems like it's a good signing um same with uh torrence reed i mean um you know again it's it looks like it's a very powerful lock um which which is awesome to have um right so it seems like the uh, the engine room for the arrows is going to be uh well equipped once again um place for uh manawatu turbos um i wonder if there's kind of a sam malcolm connection i'm not sure but i kind of wonder if there's a bit of a connection there a bit of a way that that connection was helped being made um it seems to be a real big trend across all of mlr where guys seem to kind of be signing players from similar clubs and you know obviously are signing guys that players on their teams know or have played with right um which probably makes you know identifying things easier um so i mean excited for all three of these guys can't and uh you know can't wait to see uh, what they do in the blue and white next year um and yeah i mean I, uh, that's uh that's i guess uh yeah that about sums it up for me all right and finally we're gonna mention we're gonna head out west because the pacific pride have announced their 2022 and 23 team lists and their schedule as well. So, you know, the Pacific Pride has been fundamental in the development of a lot of players recently. They even list um, a few guys that have made to MLI, including Quinn Nawali, Tyler Rowland, uh, Josh Thiel, Brock Webster as well. Um, and, you know, it's uh, just looking at the Pacific Pride um, full squad list. The second name down is Sam Reimer. He's Obviously, had MLR experience from playing with the Arrows, and he's also had under 20s experience, especially um, in the summer tournament just gone. Uh, it looks like, as well, the Pacific Pride will be competing in uh, two competitions the regional rounds and the league round. They will have uh, six rounds total of the regional round, which um, are against UBC. Uh, Trinity Western and UVic and but like home and away fixtures for those and then they'll have the 11 game um, league round which includes teams such as Burnaby Lake, Seattle RFC Capilano RFC um, you know playing games at Starlight Stadium and you know obviously at their uh, oppositions uh, grounds throughout the tournament and those competitions have already begun the first game was against ubc and try as well you might i have yet to be able to find a result for pride versus ubc uh that's happened this weekend it's very strange um but anyway those competitions run from september through to april 1st and you know great opportunity for a lot of young guys to you know impress um the head coach phil mack and you know get the attention of any of the uh, rugby canada um management as well as any mlr teams as well so all the best lads and you know good luck with your uh, seasons and we look forward to seeing what you can produce the one uh, 
The one slightly unfortunate thing about this announcement, though, yeah. and the schedule, is it definitely confirms what James O'Neill was saying a few episodes back that the Coastal Cup doesn't seem to be a thing anymore. Um, yeah, at least they have a full uh, schedule lined up for them, you know, going through to October. Then sh- as soon as uh, the regional round finishes, the league round begins. So, you know, no rest for the best. I guess there is obviously time off in uh, December and January. It's just too cold. It's either too cold or too wet. Um, mm-hmm. I, I've never been to BC. I can't really determine, but I'm guessing both at that point. And then uh, competition. Great. Competition brings up again in uh, February and then finishes on April 1st. But, you know, just just in time for um, the November internationals and hopefully Canada's men's team will be playing in that and maybe. Some guys have uh, put their hand up to be selected. Maybe um, a few MLR teams are keeping their eyes out, especially for those uh, regional round games or the uh, first few rounds of the uh, league round. But we shall have to wait and see. It's You see, we're, we're already getting too early in uh, talking about it. You know what I'm saying about talking about getting the Arrows 15 too soon? We've already uh, got a list of names which could potentially be playing in the MLR next year. So... Mm. You know, what, what is a guy to do when uh, there's very little rugby on, especially in North America? However, there is rugby. <laughs> I was going to say, there's a lot. All the other leagues are about to start back well, up. Well, that's the thing. Yeah, as in, in North America, not so much. But in the rest of the world, we've definitely got you covered when it comes to uh, the rugby going on. The rugby championships, um, games five and six, will be happening this weekend and next weekend. And you can watch that on tsn.ca and the TSN app. And we missed it last week. Uh, the first round of the English Premiership has begun again, and we're going on to the second round this weekend. But also the United Rugby Championship between Ireland, Wales, Scotland, Italy, and South Africa also returns. And both of those competitions are available on Sportsnet. So, yeah, maybe not North America, but definitely the rest of the world. There's definitely some rugby to watch. Well, I believe that is the end of this episode of the podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode and you would like to listen to more, you can do so on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Anchor FM. And if you want to see more of our beautiful faces, including exclusive footage with Arrows players and coaches that we have interviewed after MLR games, you can do so on our YouTube channel which is at the Rouge Rugby. In fact, you can find us across many social media platforms, including Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Again, at the Rouge Rugby. Derek, where can the fine people find you on social media? Um, at Brissette the Jet across all social media platforms. And you can find me across all social media platforms at Hardman, spelled H4RDMAN. Well, Derek, thank you for joining me as we've been discussing my long-winded plans of how to fix the uh, Rugby World Cup 7s. And thank (laughs) you all for joining us for this episode of the Rouge Rugby Podcast. We hope you can join us again next time.